Hi everyone and welcome along to the Ergonomically Speaking podcast, the podcast that aims to help you reduce and even eliminate work-related discomfort. I'm your host Neve Pentney of Boyne Ergonomics. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really hope that you're able to take away some useful practical advice from this podcast to help you reduce your own risk of discomfort at the workplace or help manage the risks among the people that you might be responsible for. So now that we know I'm here, let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome along to episode 14 of the Ergonomically Speaking podcast. It's currently the end of June, not to date this podcast too much, but um, as opposed to June, it feels more like the end of October here today in Northeast Ireland. It is wet, it is windy, it is cold. Um, very easy to get the seasons confused today. And what else are we going to do on a day like this? Only get ourselves cosy and record an episode of the podcast. And today I am actually going to be talking to you about the increased risk of musculoskeletal disorders among LGBTQIA plus workers. So as I said, it's the end of June. June is recognised in a lot of places as Pride Month. I know we had our own Pride Parade in Dublin at the weekend. The Pride Parade in my own local town here is going to be happening on the August Bank Holiday weekend. So just with the focus on Pride and on the LGBTQIA community over the last month, I thought it would be a good idea to highlight some of the findings of a report that was released by EU OSHA, which is the European Agency for Safety and Health at Work, back in 2020. And this report basically outlined that there's three groups of workers that are considered to be at an increased risk of musculoskeletal disorder in the workplace, and that are women, migrant workers, and members of the LGBTQIA plus community. So what I'm going to do in this episode is we're going to have a look at what are the reasons for this increased risk and then what can employers do to help reduce that risk. So That's what we're going to cover today. So as I said, this report from EU OSHA, and I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes and any references, I'll put links to them in the show notes. But basically, the report detailed that the physical, psychosocial, organisational and individual risk factors that may contribute to the prevalence of musculoskeletal disorders among these three identified groups. And I think it's important because, realistically speaking, there is no direct evidence that LGBTQIA plus workers experience an increased rate of musculoskeletal injury. However, there is plenty of evidence that the level of psychosocial risk factors available are going to negatively impact their occupational health and therefore are more likely to result in musculoskeletal disorders. And this evidence is research-based, literature-based and anecdotal evidence as well. This is what we're going to look at today. And I suppose it has to be considered. One thing you have to think about is the reason, I suppose, for the lack of direct evidence, and this is in the report, it's not that we can definitely say they don't have an increased level of injuries, but when we're recording injuries or when research is being carried out, or even myself, when I'm doing workstation assessments, you're not asking somebody if they're a member of that community. And it's very unlikely that they're going to disclose it because they may not feel it's relevant. 
And therefore, it's really hard to give a number on how many or what percentage of LGBTQIA plus workers actually have a musculoskeletal disorder. But what you can look at is their risk factors and ascertain that actually, yeah, they have an increased exposure to some of these risk factors, which will translate into an increased risk of injury. So that's what we're going to look at. And I do want to say a lot of this that I'm going to talk today is coming from the report. It's coming from anecdotal evidence. I myself have no real life experience of this. I'm not a member of the LGBTQIA plus community. I have family members that are. I know their anecdotal stories and I've spoken to them about this in the past. Um, but there is mountains of evidence out there to show that there is an increased risk of injury and the reasons behind it. So if we look first at the prevalence of health issues and musculoskeletal disorders among the LGBTQIA plus community in the workplace, the recorded percentages vary a bit, right, depending on what study that you read and among the different subgroups within that community. Because remember, this is an umbrella term that covers a wide range of subgroups. The overall findings have found that LGBTQIA plus workers experience reduced well-being and mental health compared to the general population. This includes increased reporting of suicidal thoughts, anxiety, depression, mental distress. And then there's also evidence that LGBTQIA plus workers report worse physical health, which will include your musculoskeletal issues, arthritis, spinal issues and chronic fatigue. And you have to wonder why is this? Okay, and we will get into this a little bit further on. So as I said, there's no direct evidence that the level of injury, reported level of injury is higher among this community. But what is higher is the exposure to the psychosocial risk factors. Okay, so for example, when I go on site to do an assessment, I very much look at the physical risk factors. We talk about the job, we talk about the demands, we talk about rest breaks and stress. But I would never delve into somebody's personal background or how they identify or what their sexual preference is unless they felt it was a contributing factor to the discomfort that they are experiencing. And I can tell you in my 13 years of doing assessments, nobody has ever said to me that this was a reason for their discomfort or that they're exposed to increased stress because of this. But there's lots of reasons for this. And um, they may not feel it's relevant. They may not feel it's appropriate. And what I will always say is, if I'm doing an assessment on somebody, anything you think is appropriate, you tell the person. So if someone's doing an assessment on you, and even if it's not work related, but it's a cause of stress or it's a cause of anxiety, of course, it could be contributing to the issues that you're having. So, you know, that person is there to try and get to the source of a discomfort. So you should always feel comfortable to discuss this with the person and they'll always treat it in confidentiality you know we're, we're not ever there to gossip about problems we're there to address the source and try and fix what we can in the workplace so as i said this report it highlights that lgbtqia plus workers are disproportionately exposed to psychosocial risk factors in the workplace and what i want to just pause here and say you might be thinking well what's the big deal you know, they're not exposed to different risk factors. Everyone's physically doing the same job. 
in the workplace or similar jobs. Everyone is exposed to the same task cycles, the same loads, the same you know, chair, the same desk, whatever it might be. That is on a physical level. There is, of course, evidence, plenty of evidence that stress, anxiety, depression can feed into physical pain and discomfort. So if somebody is under chronic stress, chronic anxiety, whatever the cause may be, that can cause like a hyper irritability of the nervous system. That can cause an increase in nerve sensitization. So they may start to register pain for things that generally previously prior to the stress or prior to the anxiety would not have registered, registered excuse me, as something that was painful. You're also going to have increased tension. If you think about it, when you're stressed and we're anxious, we tend to feel it in the muscles, especially the muscles of the neck and the shoulders and the upper back. So you're going to carry extra tension in your muscles, which can cause reduced blood flow to the muscles and muscle spasms, which can cause musculoskeletal pain. You can also then have a flare-up of chronic conditions. So if you have something like IBS, reflux, heart conditions, anything chronic, stress and anxiety because the nervous system is irritated it can cause a flare-up of this so this is all going on in the background so and that can get into a cycle so for example if you have stress and anxiety and anger depression you can become isolated you can have decreased socialization you can get insomnia which is going to make you tired which can contribute to pain and then you have a bit of rest you guard your movements you change how you move you change how you do things you might become inactive because you have discomfort. You might take time off work. You can develop tight muscles, short muscles, weak muscles, and this can cause stress, fear, anxiety, pain. So it is a cycle. Psychosocial risk factors are incredibly important and they can have a huge impact on our musculoskeletal health. And as we're saying, it has been found that LGBTQIA plus workers have an increased exposure to psychosocial risk factors, which could be contributing to their increased risk of musculoskeletal disorders and an increased risk of poor general health and flare-ups of chronic conditions. So what risk factors, what psychosocial risk factors can an LGBTQIA plus worker be exposed to? So the report identified formal discrimination as being one. So this might be discrimination in the hiring process, it could be discrimination among salaries. It could be discrimination in a lack of maybe progression or promotion opportunities based on how they identify. You could also have interpersonal discrimination. And this one, of course, is really common, as you can imagine. Negative comments, you know, negative behavior from colleagues, um, feeling like you've been spoken about behind your back and just a really uncomfortable workplace that is a huge cause of stress and anxiety to someone that has to go into that every day or has to be part of that team every day you also have institutional discrimination practices inequalities that are sustained by policies and laws that are kind of in existence outside of the company but they impact the company for example i suppose gay marriage is one like i know it's legal here in ireland but that wasn't always the case and it's not the case in a lot of countries so that pre-existing law and policy, even though it's outside the company, it can have a huge negative impact and cause stress on the person. Concealment of sexual or gender identity in the workplace. So masking, changing your behavior 
changing who you are in the workplace and trying to hide who you are in the workplace can be incredibly stressful and a huge cause of anxiety where you might not just have the normal work stresses that come with the job, but you're also trying to be something you're not and hide who you are in the workplace and maybe a fear, a fear of being outed or a fear of people in the workplace or bosses or management finding out that you are a member of the LGBTQIA plus community can of course have a huge impact. And due to the risk of harassment and discrimination, all, all these factors, LGBTQIA plus workers can experience isolation and insecurity in the workplace. And these are all huge, huge causes of stress to someone in the workplace. And the study also found, so aside from these psychosocial risk factors that members of the community are exposed to, they've also found what they would call employment segregation patterns. So the research suggests that LGBTQIA plus workers will tend to work in sectors or in roles where they feel safe and more likely to be accepted and experience less harassment and discrimination. And the examples given in the report include gay or bisexual men who may seek employment in female-dominated sectors or lesbian workers may seek employment in a male-dominated sector. And just by the nature of these roles, these jobs themselves may present a higher risk of musculoskeletal injury just by the tasks and how they're done and how long they're done and what the loads involved are. But you bring in these extra factors, these psychosocial risk factors, and the risk of injury increases. So this does put this group at an increased risk of musculoskeletal discomfort and injury. And before I go into what workplaces can do to address these risk factors, I do recommend if you're listening to this and you are responsible for employee welfare in the workplace, as I said, I'm going to put the link to the report in the show notes, but I definitely recommend you get onto the EU OSHA website, do a search for LGBT reports and LGBT musculoskeletal injuries and have a read of this report. There's two forms of it available. The long form is available and then there's a summarized version that is available. But it's a real, real eye-opener to factors that you may not have considered. You may think that you are doing everything to make your workplace inclusive for everybody. But I definitely recommend getting hold of this report and having a read of it because this will really help to guide the policies in your workplace that really will make it inclusive for everybody. So what can workplaces do? So to reduce the risk factors, and we're really, really looking at the psychosocial risk factors here, to LGBTQIA plus workers, employers should aim to, firstly, build a workplace culture of inclusion for everybody, no matter who you are, no matter how you identify. And this means having zero tolerance for discrimination and harassment and bullying. So everybody, regardless of how they identify, regardless of their ability levels, regardless of their education levels, whatever it may be, regardless of ethnicity, everybody should feel safe and supported in their workplace. And Yes, this means you have your culture of inclusion, absolutely, but zero tolerance for discrimination because you can have a culture of inclusion, but if you have workers who think that it is okay to harass 
or talk about or negatively comment or show negative behaviours towards, for an example, the member of the LGBTQIA plus community, well then, yeah, you might have hired the person, but they're not going to feel safe and supported in the workplace. So absolutely have a policy of inclusion, but also a policy of zero tolerance for discrimination and harassment. You should also promote our participatory approach to health and safety and ask for input from employees of all sections. So all employees should have an input into your health and safety policies. You should have non-binary safe and health administration procedures, stumbling over my words. And you should also develop LGBTQIA plus company policies that take into account the diverse realities of uh, LGBTQIA plus workers life. And this may mean, for example, putting in place policies on how you would manage or to allow, I suppose, facilitating leave for medical appointments. For example, if somebody is starting to transition and they may have to attend specialist appointments or may have to go and do doctor visits or this kind of thing, like you would do with any other member of the workforce, just having a policy in place to allow for this to be accounted for. Um, and to put it plainly, look, inclusive and diverse work cultures, of course, should be encouraged, promoted by everybody as they allow all workers, regardless of your gender identity or sexual identity, religious nationality or any other label, it allows them to fully engage in the workforce, be fully focused on their roles and feel supported and safe. And by removing the risk factors, these psychosocial risk factors in the workplace, you're reducing the risk of injury among these workers and you're allowing them to flourish and become the healthy, productive workers that they should be and feel satisfied and safe in their roles. So, as I said, I would definitely, if you are a member of the LGBTQIA plus community and, you know, you're kind of curious on this, about what this report has found, if you go into the show notes and have a look, you'll find the link. And also, as I said, if you are responsible for employee health and welfare in your workplace, I would also give this a read because, as I said, it's incredibly insightful and can really help to guide policies that you are hoping to put in place or that you're reviewing to make sure your workplace is inclusive and takes a zero tolerance approach to discrimination. I think this is incredibly important. So I'll leave that there because, as I said, this was just a summary of that EU OSHA report from 2020. I just thought it was really important to highlight it um, because the risks do exist and they are hard to quantify and they're also hard for me as an outsider when I come into a company they're hard to identify because as I said I am not going to ask somebody when I'm doing an assessment you know are you a member of the LGBTQIA plus community because realistically it's none of my business and if the person feels that this may have an impact on their musculoskeletal health or their well-being of course they would disclose it but I think realistically, the responsibility lies with the employer to make sure that all workers feel safe and supported in their workplace, regardless of how they identify. So as I said, I will leave it for there. Um, the next episode of the podcast is going to focus on static postures and the risks associated with this. This is something I've come across a lot the last while and I've been asked about the last while. So that's going to be the next episode, episode 15. As always, if anyone wants to get in touch with me, 
you can reach out to me. My email and all my social media handles will be in the show notes. I'm always happy to hear from people with comments or suggestions for future episodes. So until next time, I will talk to you soon. Stay well, everyone.